My name is Nancy Fulton. This is an event where we're going to be talking about dealing with Hollywood hijackals. And our guest today is Dr. Roberta Shaler, and she is a relationship expert who helps the partners, employees, exes, and adult children of relentlessly difficult people she calls hijackals. Her work has been featured on Fox News, Psych Central, Cosmopolitan, Good Housekeeping, The Good Men Project, eHarmony, Care2, Greatest, Pulse, and The Needs, among many others. She is the author of 16 books, including The Definitive Guide to Dealing with Relentlessly Difficult People. Even the U.S. Marines have enlisted her help. You can learn more about Dr. Shaler's work at fourrelationshiphelp.com and via her YouTube channel, Four Relationship Help. She's also host of two podcasts, Emotionally, Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show, and Save Your Sanity, Help for Handling Hijackals. Dr. Shaler, would you like to talk for a few minutes about how you actually um, how you actually decided to pick up this particular aspect of psychology and make it uh, into a practice that you do indeed practice worldwide? Sure. I'm just delighted to be here, Nancy, and I'm so glad mm -hmm. to see so many people joining us. Mm -hmm. Why I made this the focus of my practice is really quite simple. I was raised in a den of hijack calls. I attracted them. I married them. I divorced them. I co-parented with them. And finally, I had to heal from them. And while I was going through that process, there was no one to help because people did not recognize this. And so I made it my job to find out how to help people recognize recover and rediscover themselves after being with the hijackal or being raised by one. Can you, can you, so even though you were a psychologist and hadn't, um, were, did, did you, you were dealing with some of these people or, or discovered this as you were a practice, uh, practicing psychologist. And yet, um, even with that training, you found yourself falling into society with these people. So you want to talk for a few minutes about how being smart isn't really an innocuous <laughs> Being smart and being educated and knowing all about it is fine to have it up here, but you've got to integrate it right down to your toes. So it took a while, you know. I am, <clears throat> we all know that as we're growing up, we're in the business of uh, growing up. Our brains don't fully develop till we're 25. We're deciding on careers, we're deciding on schools, we're getting married and having children, we're not figuring things out at that time. So mm. you get a lot of education and all, but then after that, if you're wise, you integrate it and you figure out, well, how do I apply this all to me? And what does this mean for me? Because I don't want to be an unhealed healer in the world. Mm. So I had to go through all of that and figure it all out. And I was raised in a family where my mother was a hijackal. My father was an extreme passive aggressive. His entire family were hijackals. Of course, did I know that? No, I just thought they were horrible, nasty people that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. um, but these are the things that we have to walk through. And once we've walked through them, we can help other people vastly more than if we are just in the book learning part of that. Mm -hmm. So that's why people come to me mm -hmm. uh, and are drawn from all over the world, because I know this stuff. I've walked it, I've lived it, I've had to figure it out. And just because I had a PhD in psychology did not mean I automatically knew what to do. Mm -hmm. Hijackals put tentacles around your soul, Nancy. They're, they're everywhere. And you have to get some help to find them and then release them and make sure they go away. 
And it's really important to do that. I had to do it, then I had to figure out how to help other people to do it. And that's why I do what I do. So a PhD did not make them go away. Mm -hmm. I did. <laughs> well, and one of the things that's interesting, when we first spoke, you explained why, how, how and why you came up the word with the word hijackles and how it represents a significant um, healing for a lot of people that are trying to deal with sociopaths and psychopaths and narcissists and so forth. Do you want to talk for a few minutes about why you use the term hijackal instead of using um, yes. other terms? Yes, it's really important to me that we talk about this because many people who are hurting, they mm -hmm. go rushing to the Google goddess and they put in how they're hurting. Mm -hmm. And remember, the Google goddess has no credentials. It's an index. They just throw things back at you. Mm -hmm. So what does it throw back? Suggested psychological diagnoses. Unless you're a psychologist or a psychiatrist, you can't make that diagnosis. So therefore, you take it in and you go, oh, they've got a problem. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. We've got a problem. So I created hijackles as a term, a non-clinical term, to describe the patterns, traits, and cycles of these people. Because it doesn't matter what the label is, whether it's psychopath or sociopath or histrionic or borderline or narcissist. It doesn't matter, antisocial personality disorder. What mm -hmm. matters is how they behave and how you interact with them. So the definition of hijackals, Nancy, are people mm -hmm. who hijack relationships for their own purposes, then relentlessly scavenge them for power, status, and control daily. Mm -hmm. do, you think it's, do you think one of the reasons people have such a hard time dealing with hijackals, whether it's in the, the, their career or in their personal lives, is that they have a hard time believing that it's actually happening. They, they, things happen to them and they don't know what those things are. They know that they're being hurt, but they don't understand. They tend to think I'm hurting myself or if only I were better or if only I were more tolerant or if only I were stronger, then I wouldn't be feeling this pain and this wouldn't be happening to me. Can you talk a little bit about what about a person makes them attractive to hijackles and keeps them in, and what about a person helps them stay in those relationships that, that you can help them solve? Sure. Well, those are big questions, but we'll address it from a start. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, you're right. Mm -hmm. I mean, good people will take on, like, there must be something I'm doing. I could do it better. This person really can't be behaving like this. I mean, they're, 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 they behave in jaw-dropping ways. You mm -hmm. know, one of the hallmarks of hijackles, and I have a, a, a home study program that you can take called seeing the cycles so that you really, really understand and get into some depth about these things. Mm -hmm. But some of the things about these, one of them in particular is incredulity. They count on the fact that you will be saying to yourself, who does that? Who talks that way? And yet then you'll scurry and make rationalizations and excuses and justifications for why they're behaving that way. Mm -hmm. They count on you letting them off the hook. And the second reason that these people will show up in your life is that you've come from a background where there were hijackals. And so they can almost pick up the scent of that. They can see that you're already groomed for them. But you don't know that because somehow this relationship seems so wonderful, but there's something about it that is familiar. And you could be very comfortably uncomfortable because it's a way that you are familiar with because it happened at home to you. 
So it's important for us to understand that really good people get completely taken in by hijackals, whether they've had that in their background or they're brand new to it. And what they're counting on is that you're going to lean in and say, oh, I can make myself into a pretzel or even more into a doormat. And, and maybe then you'll be happy. And so we think we're helping and nurturing and loving and actually we're being used. Mm-hmm. And, and it, does it matter whether or not the hijackle presents themselves or feels, I think a lot of times people get caught up in trying to help these people because they seem like such wells of need and such wells of pain. And they think, well, I, I, I can make it better. I can make them feel better and then they'll behave normally. I can fill this, this wound. And there's a, some people, there's a vulnerability to some of these folks that will, that seems to rope people in and keeps, keeps them in the relationship much longer than they would if the person was, were more aggressive or were more, didn't have that aspect of vulnerability. That's true. I mean, certainly they pull at your heartstrings and covert hijackals, those ones who are not out there beating their chest saying how wonderful they are, they will play the victim like crazy. So they will draw you in to save them, to nurture them, to be the one who can help them, the one that can fix them, that can create an environment they never had so they finally feel good about themselves. You can't do that. So don't be drying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and on the other hand, um, there are the overt hijackals, the ones who are out there beating their chests and saying how wonderful they are and they're the greatest at everything mm-hmm. and that you should be consider yourself lucky that they bother with you. And that's some of the things that we see in professional circles for sure. Mm-hmm. And so when that's going on, I mean, you have to be very secure within yourself and confident and know how to be assertive. And most of us don't know that. We haven't been through that learning process. We're just out there struggling. And the younger you are, the more likely it is that you don't know that. And so people will take advantage of you. And hijackals have a chameleon-like quality that when you meet them, they seem like the best thing ever, that they've known you forever. They are your soulmate. They have arrived. They are the person. They can be your Svengali. They can do anything. They put that out there to reel you in. And then when they really feel they firmly have you, then they will start treating you badly. And you won't believe it. You will keep believing that they wanted you. They loved you. They had all those things going in the beginning. And you'll keep telling yourself that story while they systematically dismantle your self-esteem. And is that part part of their um, process? When, in order for them to maximize the amount of support or resources or um, relationships that they can take from you, is that is is taking apart your self esteem part of that, or is oh, it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Take apart your part of, take apart your self esteem and part you from your friends and family. They want to cull you from the herd, keep you from their, for their own, and tell you how life will be. Hijackals like to define your reality for you. They will say, you don't feel like that. No, that's not what you think. You've never thought that way. Let me tell you how you think and how you feel. And they'll rip your experience away from you and say that they know you better than you know yourself. 
And those are the moments when you have to let those red flags just shine through. And remember, if you're a person who wears rose-colored glasses, it's darn hard to see red flags. So you mm -hmm. may have to rip those rose-colored glasses off. Is it the case that if I'm working in an office that's particularly toxic and there's a hijackal at the top, are the people around him likely to be hijackals or are they likely to be victims that, that will tend to keep you in that milieu rather than letting you go? Self-reinforce the, the messages that you receive. Well, both sides are true. They can be hijackals themselves, or they can be what we call flying monkeys. Flying <laughs> monkeys are people that the hijackal has convinced that they're right, and they'll support them to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. So they will then become um, people who use you as prey as well. Mm -hmm. So is it the case that you can, um, is it the case that you can find yourself punished if you leave the presence of a hijackal? Like what sure, happened? because all those people are going to say, oh, we've got to gather together and make sure that person is really excluded, that we will do a smear campaign. A hijackal will do a smear campaign on anyone. If you reject a hijackal, they are going to go to everybody that you know and convince them that you were the problem and they are golden. So, so they're vindictive. It's not the oh, case sure. that they just let you go. Oh, no, they never let you go. You are their supply. They need you to feel powerful. So, mm -hmm. you know, they'll let you go for a moment and then they'll try and pull you back. Or they'll let you go and they'll find some new supply. And as soon as that supply diminishes, they'll come back and try and reel you in. Mm -hmm. It's an ongoing process. It's very difficult to get away from a hijackal. Very difficult. And the courts don't make it as easy as would be wise either. Really? So one of the things that I found interesting about the information that you provided is that you work with um, people who are married to hijackals, but you also work with people who are business partners of hijackals. So is it the case that when people end up in these relationships where there's economic interdependence that they, they are prey? And, oh. and, in and creating that separation turns out to be an extremely expensive process. A very expensive separate. process mm -hmm. because they reeled you in in the beginning and they that you did things in a mutually trusting way that was a false pretense. So you may have contracts, you may have embroilments, you may have entanglements that you did in all good faith. Mm -hmm. And then you find that only one of you is planning to keep the contract. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to blame you for everything that happened. And they're going to take that to court and present that in that way. And so, yes, go into things much more slowly than you'd like to, mm -hmm. because you may be going into something that you will regret. Is when, do the courts recognize, I guess the courts don't rec really recognize the fact that one person could be deceptive. Um, that you married somebody who's an incredibly deceptive person or that you've got a partner who's incredibly deceptive. And is it the case that the hijackals are very skilled at manipulating, tend to be very skilled at manipulating the perceptions of others? So it becomes more, it's difficult to, to convince people that this kind of thing is happening. Is that yes, like that's true. That happens. But another thing that I've noticed by going to court for my parent, my clients and I don't do it anymore, mm -hmm. um, but I, I will work with their attorneys to, mm -hmm. to create better scenarios, 
is that hijackles tend to hire hijackal attorneys. So mm -hmm. now you've got two for the price of one, standing up, grandstanding, posturing, lying, manipulating, exploiting, seducing the court. Mm -hmm. And the court only sees a snapshot, a moment in time as presented to them of the picture of what they're dealing with. They don't get the whole nasty video. So if you have a very skilled hijackal with a very skilled hijackal attorney, you're going to suffer. You need to get somebody on your side who is going to poke holes in all of that in a mighty way. I think that you know, one of the things that's shocking to me is that uh, there are a lot more hijackles in the world than people are aware of. That they and they some uh, they do tend to gravitate to positions where, where they're in authority. Is it is it the case? Have you ever had a hijackal come to you and say, "I know that I'm." mentally ill, I know I have problems, I know I'm destroying lives, how can I get better? Or is that just something that never happens? It happens in one kind of hijackal. Mm -hmm. And let me give you that distinction. There are hijackals who sometimes demonstrate empathy mm -hmm. when they really, really, truly, a person with a borderline personality disorder particularly, mm -hmm. they truly feel terrible that they did or said or created something. They feel terrible. But they have to go through such a lot of therapy in order to sustain the desired interaction that they want to have in the moments when they are in that place where they just want to act out. But the rest of them, no, they don't care at all. They have no empathy. I have a free ebook mm -hmm. called How to Spot a Hijackal. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking that you might have one in your life, rush over and get that. Just go to forrelationshiphelp.com and click on the hijackles tab in the navigation. Mm -hmm. The second thing is I have a whole program, an uh, mm -hmm. online program um, called Seeing the Cycles. And that will take you in depth. There are 13 videos, there are mm -hmm. articles, there are worksheets, there are all of that to really investigate what was really going on with me? What am I really seeing? What's the truth here? So that you learn those 10 hallmarks of hijackals and they won't get by you again. I think a lot of people don't get involved in therapy because they think that it's going to take a long time or they think that it's going to be incredibly expensive or they think that it's not really necessary. I can heal myself. Can you talk a little bit about the benefit? of are there what are the benefits of actually getting treatment are they just getting rid of hijackles or do that does it have other benefits and is it how long does it take well everybody's different in terms of how mm -hmm. long it takes but it takes longer than you wish it did mm -hmm. because you you've been attractive to hijackles for longer than you wish you had mm -hmm. so we have to go back and find those tentacles around the soul for some people it happened in a in a past adult relationship that takes less time than if it happened to you right from the, the moment you drew breath and took up space on this earth. And in order to know that you have the right to draw breath and take up space, you have to go back and inhabit those places to learn to be assertive. So yes, it can take quite a while. But if you think about it, well, I've been in the world for 42 years. And for 42 years, I've felt Mm, kind of like I've been taken advantage of and that I'm working really hard to get people to like me and I'm doing all kinds of things and yet they turn out badly. Um, 
what price does that have in terms of time or money in order to not feel like that in your life anymore, not to enter into any of those relationships anymore? Mm -hmm. So you have to look at it from a very broad perspective of what's the cost in your life to continuing mm -hmm. and what is the joy of not continuing? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have programs where, as I say, you could mm -hmm. be seeing the cycles program and, and learn a few things about that. But then I work with people individually. I mm -hmm. also have days when people can come to me or in, mm -hmm. in Southern California, I will go to them for a higher price. But where I will go and we will work together for nine or 10 hours and really just get right into something like that. I also have an online coaching program called Healing After Abuse. Mm -hmm. So you have small groups of 12 where you walk through a whole lot of things with, with that group and uncover and discover things and do all of things together. Mm -hmm. So there are many ways to do that. Or you could come into one-on-one -on -one work with me on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis and let's find out what it takes. But yes, it's going to take time. Mm -hmm. Those things were put into your psyche long before you willingly accepted them. Mm -hmm. And so you don't even know much of the stuff that's there. You know the surface, but we can't surf. We have to dive. And that takes time. Is it the case that when people, that people feel liberated when, as they start, you talk about tentacles, uh, you know, feelings of, uh, of strange rules that you learned at home that you apply everywhere or feelings of worthlessness or feeling like I don't have a right to speak. I don't, I'm not as good as other people, da, da, da. I need to be treated this way because I'm undisciplined. Um, does it, is it liberating when these tentacles start to come off? I mean, uh, do you see that people tend to feel an impact sooner rather than later once you start pulling those, those strange Sure. Well, many times people will come to work with me or they'll ask what the work is. And I say, well, I give people back the use of both hands. And they're always surprised when I say that. And here's what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody has not put themselves on me. I, I, I fixed it. I <laughs> Go ahead. And what I mean by mm -hmm. that is you don't have the use of one hand because the mm -hmm. one hand is used for firmly holding the the lid on a can of worms. Mm -hmm. So what the consulting process does, what my consulting process does, is we take one worm out at a time, dissect it, decide if we want to keep it, if it has value, where we got it, what it's useful for, if it needs to go. And slowly we take those things, reconstruct your life in a way that gives you the use of both hands. Mm -hmm. Now you know that you're healed and you're healthy and you can be confident and you're not concerned that you're going to be sucked in, hoovered in by another hijack call, mm -hmm. that somehow they're going to prey upon you and you're going to be that prey. You're going to be willing and living prey to them. No, mm -hmm. you're going to slowly, and yes, sometimes, you know, takes a while because you, you, they're very, very mm -hmm. careful, very, very clever, but you learn that. And then you mm -hmm. feel confident. And then you feel like you're safe in the world again. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking over your shoulder all the time, you don't feel safe. You know, can I trust this person? Is what's going on there? I want to. Mm -hmm. And then you'll get with the wrong person again. It seems like for people that, is there a benefit to people who have children who have found themselves over and over again in these toxic relationships? Is there a benefit to families and to children that are of those families when one of the people actually decides to get the therapy that makes it possible for them to 
to not attract these people going forward. Sure, because you are the model of how to be a man or woman and how to be a man or woman in relationship. And when you start changing the model that you are, your children start benefiting from that immediately. And that's a great gift to give to yourself and an even better gift to give to your children because those children don't have a choice. They're going to watch what you do. And children are far more likely to do what you do than do what you say. So you're building that in. And if you change and you become healthier, your children will get a better model. Mm -hmm. And if you, and do you have programs that help families as well as just um, individuals? Sure, because my sessions can be used as a family session or an individual session or a couple session. Mm-hmm. So I work in packages of sessions so that people know that they're going to get ongoing help. I don't do one of things. Mm-hmm. You know, people who have an issue going on, they can, in fact, book a two-hour session with me um, or a three-hour session with me. But after that, it has to be a package. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's definitely important for people one of the most important things I think for people to have therapeutic benefit is for them to want to change enough to be able to say, I'm, this is the time I'm actually going to make the change because it's very easy to go from, from bandaid to bandaid to bandaid to bandaid. Yeah, it certainly is. You're absolutely right, Nancy. And the thing Mm -hmm. about that is that you have to decide that you're going to do it in a systematic way. Mm-hmm. not a little hit here and a little hit there. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. You systematically built this into who you are. Now we have to systematically take it out and rebuild and replace so that life goes better. So my packages all work in a time frame. Mm-hmm. So it's got wiggle room so that you know, if something happens and you can't come along, but that it, it says, I am engaged. I want this. Right. I want these changes. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, I, I think that I also like things that are bounded because I think that tends to make people feel a little bit more like there's an end, there's an end at least to this part of the process or to this step in the process, which yes. I think for, for a lot of people who enter therapy, their concern or their fear is that they're going to be in therapy for months and years and never see any progress, which is true. I mean, I've seen people who, and I, I, I don't know quite how it happens, but they end up in therapy for, they have a weekly apparent, um, therapy appointment and they've had it for 20 years yeah well I uh -uh. (laughs) it doesn't work that way Mm -hmm. that is somebody who's building a second home in Maui Um, (laughs) your therapy should be effective now Mm -hmm. I certainly be realistic it's going Mm -hmm. to take you somewhere between nine and 18 months to recover if you've been in a hijackal relationship Mm -hmm. it is not going to be easy Um, but you're going to get a great deal of benefit in those first nine months. And maybe the rest is like every two weeks or every three weeks or every four weeks, just making sure that you're on top of it. So the new patterns stay established, but no, I mean, if somebody is that ill, then that's a person who's probably been institutionalized and needs the absolute someone walking with them all the time. Mm -hmm. That's usually not the case with people who are recovering from hijackals because what we're going to do is take off the rose-colored glasses, remove Mm -hmm. the shackles, and let you go free knowing that you know how to keep yourself safe in the world. And Mm -hmm. as you begin to exercise those muscles, they'll begin to work better and better, and pretty soon you'll be running. And you'll be happy, and you'll be safe, and you'll. So, so what, you, what you're really talking about is a as a process that that helps people recreate their identity, and I yes. think that that's something 
that hijackals tend to take away from people. They, as you, I think you described, they're them telling you who you are. Yeah, they that's like to you define you. That, that's not how you feel. They argue with you about how you feel. Mm-hmm. And as if feelings were something you choose or you shouldn't feel that way. It's like, I don't know. What do you mean? I shouldn't feel that way. It is how I feel. <laughs> so exactly. how can I should feel? If, if you're ever with a person who denies your feelings, then sit up and take notice. They may not be a hijackal. They may be a, an undeveloped, unthoughtful, unconscious person. But you have to be able to say something. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I tell my people all the time is when somebody tells you how you feel or what you think, you simply quietly with no emotional charge say, that's interesting. That's not what I think or feel. How would you know you're not me? Mm -hmm. And you have to be in that mindset. Like, no, I mean, certainly let's all be open to change or seeing something differently. But if somebody clearly tells you who you are, what you think or what you feel, no, no, no. Have a boundary around that. Say, no, that's not what I said. I feel this way. I think this way. That is me telling you about me and I am an expert on me mm-hmm. and it's very important to know that mm-hmm. you don't have to be forceful you don't have to be aggressive you have to be clear mm-hmm. right well and I also think it, but what you're talking that when you're talking about the, the process by which people stop being attractive to high shackles and get themselves out of relationships with abusive people you're talking about fashioning an identity mm-hmm. that is strong enough to be able to say, this is how I feel. And not only do I feel this way, but I'm going to take action on it. Not only will I not let you, not only will I not work, you know, 12 hours a day, seven days a week for several years and give up every other relationship that I have. But in addition to that, I'm actually going to go get myself a new, a new gig where that's not a requirement. Mm-hmm. That's, for, that's a huge thing to do. Yeah, those are called setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. And every one of us needs to clarify our values, know what our vision for our life is, know what our beliefs about everything are, and know what our goals are. And those things have to be in alignment, and then we have to be willing to give voice to them in, by setting boundaries, expressing those boundaries, maintaining those boundaries. And if after you've told somebody twice what your boundary is and they continue to stomp over it, then you set cons- consequences. And when you set a consequence, it's non-negotiable. If it happens again, this will happen and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Walk out, leave, do whatever you need to do, hire an attorney. Whatever it is that you have set as a consequence, it says no more to that behavior. Make sure you do it. Do not threaten. Do. Do You, you mentioned that you've uh, supported, um, among other people, the United States Marines. You want to talk for a few minutes about why in the world... Um, the United States Marines might need assertiveness training? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't really assertiveness training. It was dealing with difficult people. And then, of course, there was somebody they had in mind that was particularly difficult. But when I'm working in corporate situations or organizational situations like that, Nancy, it's important to not single somebody out and say, you're the problem. Mm-hmm. It's important to say, how do we build this team in a better way? Educate everybody as a beginning to see if they will pick up on it and move forward. Mm-hmm. If they don't, then you have taken a good step that will meet the requirements of any kind of uh, um, governing body that mm-hmm. says, you know, about employment things. Um, but 
with the Marines, of course, they have, they have situations where if you're an enlisted person, they expect you to be aggressive and take orders and do what you need to do. But in the Marine structure, you have enlisted people, you have non-enlisted people, you have supervisors, you have management, you have excluded management, you have all of that on a team. And so they're not all playing with the same rule book. And so when you get in a team situation like that, you may need help. Mm-hmm. Whether so you're you can... in the Marines or not, you may need help. Mm-hmm. And hijackos tend to be reverse pinballs in organizations. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is instead of being shot out and come down this way, what they do is they get shot out and they slowly start worming their way up because one group says, ooh, I'm going to get rid of this person. So it's a vertical or lateral move. And then slowly they start moving up. And then by the time they get too high up, nobody knows what to do about them and they call me. Wow. So you're, you're, what you're talking about is recreating the company culture so that it, doesn't, so that it actually doesn't foster yeah, we have, to, we have to recreate the company culture, look at the company mm-hmm. values, make sure the codes of ethics are in good place, make mm-hmm. sure everybody knows what the consequences of not adhering to the code of conduct. And then we have to work from that, from the cultural standpoint, and then we have to work with the people themselves. So, wow, I can, so it's a, dealing with this problem. It's not, a tr- it's not a trivial problem. No, it's a huge problem. It's a deep problem. Mm-hmm. And it, so I guess that's what it feels like when um, I've only, I've been fortunate since I've had my own business. I've had very few interactions with abusive clients or people that, that, you know, like no matter what goalposts you hit, no, no matter what goalposts they set and what, whatever was agreed, whatever was met, it just kept, the goalposts would just move the next step and the next step and the next step. Um, and in my experience dealing with those people, the only answer I ever came up with is just walk away. And, I, and I've always felt sorry for people who had nine to five jobs who really, that was going to be an expensive choice for them, particularly if their next job was going to be exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. right? So it's interesting to hear you talk about the fact that, it's a, that there's a, a process to move through and, you know, if it's an average of nine months to 18 months, that it's a commitment to make, to make that, um, that change. But it, you make a good point when it's, what's the alternative? Well, it's a once in a lifetime change and your life is going to get so much better and you're going to feel so much better every day that you can count on yourself, that you're safe in the world. You will have respect. You'll respect yourself. You know how to communicate. You know how to manage conflict. You know, I do a lot of things, Nancy. I teach uh, negotiation skills in the MBA program at a university. I mean, these things are skills we need to learn. And when we're dealing with hijackals, they are supreme negotiators because they're manipulative And so they're not really negotiating, they're manipulating and persuading. And there's a big difference there. Negotiation is when we are actually both sitting down with some set of desired outcomes where we will work to achieve those. With a hijackal, they just simply want to manipulate you into doing what what they want you to do. And what you want has no bearing on it. So it's not a true negotiation in any way, even though they'll perhaps call it that or um, say that we negotiated something when in fact you were told you had no way out Mm -hmm. and you need to know how to respond to that. 
Now think of all the people who go for, maybe they're looking for a, a raise. Maybe they're looking at, at a new job. Maybe they're auditioning for something, but they need to know what culture they're stepping into. They need to know what questions to ask. And if you don't know that, then you're going to go in, do your very best, and maybe find yourself in a great spot, or maybe find yourself in a hijackal culture that makes you want to run and tear your hair out and hide under the covers. Right. Well, I think particularly working in, in I like you, I you know support a lot of different people through a lot of different events. And the interesting thing in Hollywood is that it's a culture where you're making a new deal more often than most people make. Some people like they'll make a, they'll, they'll get a job um, and they might get a new job in, in uh, three years or five years in Hollywood. Obviously, if you're, if you're doing stuff that's on set, you're getting a new job six or seven times a year. So if you've got a proclivity for ending up with the wrong people or for ending up on the wrong sets, and if these are cultures that work that, you know, where, where um, you get known, you get a good rep from this hijackal, and he tells other people about you, you get invited on to another project, you don't realize that you're going into the same exact situation again. It perpetuates itself and you don't feel safe. And after a while you start to think Hollywood is a really rotten place and everybody that works there is crazy. And then I know, and then obviously there are other people who seem to have golden careers. And it's probably because as you described, they understand what's supposed to happen. That you're, you go from supportive environment to supportive environment. Um, right. Everybody better off. And you have to know how to get along with divas and, and drama. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you, some people are, are pseudo hijackals. You know, they try something and they think you're going to get away with it. And when they don't get away with it, they just let go. Right. Uh, but hijackals are, are tenacious. They don't let you go. They, they never let you go. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference there. But mm -hmm. you're always going to be involved in drama around a hijackal and not the good kind at all. Right. And, and that's something you have to notice, that, that, that that's what they do. They perpetuate drama. They play one group against the other. They play your desires against your fears. Mm -hmm. They're always doing things like that. And when you recognize that, when, I, when you wake up and smell the herbal tea, then you mm -hmm. have a beginning. Mm -hmm. Then you can say, no, that's not going to happen to me anymore. Mm -hmm. So when you... Um if people want to reach out to you for, um, for counseling, they can go to your um, forrelationshiphelp.com website. Yes, right? there's a mm -hmm. navigation tab that there. It says work with Dr. Shaler. Mm -hmm. And is that the same? Um, if somebody, do you have any resources available on your site for people that are, that are working in a professional environment and, and need specific advice or insight? Um, Sure, you can look at all the blog posts that are on for relationship help. Mm -hmm. I have 150 uh, videos on YouTube that I've done. So my channel there is called for relationship help. You can come along to my podcast emotional mm -hmm. savvy, or you can come to the podcast save your sanity help for handling hijackals. Very, mm -hmm. very specific information there. Mm -hmm. If you have a particular question you'd like me to address on the podcast or a YouTube video, you can send that to forrelationshiphelp.com slash submit, and mm -hmm. I will answer that. I also have, starting tomorrow, a very um, exclusive, um, exclusive in the sense that it's running on my website as opposed mm -hmm. to Facebook, a, a monthly group, which only costs $14 to belong to, but mm -hmm. it's a place where you can ask your questions, talk to one another away from Facebook where nothing mm -hmm. can happen. Anonymously, right? 
Yes. Uh, well, it's not mm -hmm. anonymous at all. It can be if you want it to be. You can make up a name or you can actually honestly interact with other people there. But I wanted to take it away from Facebook, Nancy, so that people did not have that worry. Who can mm -hmm. see this? How do they see this? No, it's going to be completely on my website. And if people want information about that, they can just send me an email at rs at forrelationshiphelp.com. That is like, I think it's, I, my mother was a, uh, uh, got interested in therapy when I was a kid. So, and not, she was studying it long short. I ended up getting a lot more therapy than I wanted. Or, actually, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but looking back, I go, I feel like I was going to help other people. Like they needed, like they had a kid's group and they needed, you know, they needed 10 to make, to make up the number. But the interesting thing is, I think, I really think group therapy is incredibly and profoundly helpful because a lot of times it's hearing somebody else yes. describe, the, describe something that's happening to them. And your instant response is, why would you let that happen? And you, or, well, this is what you should do. And then you realize, wow, I do that all the time. And yet I don't do the thing that I'm telling this person to do. It's, it forces you to step outside yourself and watch a problem remotely. So it's very cool that you're offering them. Um, well, and, and that part is true. Absolutely, Nancy. I absolutely agree with you. And the other side is true that when you're with a hijackal, you feel culled from the herd. So when you're in a group setting and you go, it happened to you too, exactly like it happened to me, all of a sudden you feel like, oh, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. I'm not isolated. And that's so important. So very important to know that, you know, the number of hijackals statistically is going up in the United States and yeah. in other countries around the world. Mm -hmm. And we need to be on it. And the only way that we know the statistics are going up is the statistics around people who have been formally diagnosed are going up. The mm -hmm. chances of a hijackal going for a diagnosis are slim to none. So if they actually are going and have to go either through a hospital visit or a 730 evaluation for a divorce or mm -hmm. a jail sentence or whatever, if those numbers are going up, think how many un undiagnosed people there are which must be going up. So the statistics mm -hmm. currently vary between one in four people and one in 10 people you're going to meet who has hijackal tendencies. Yes. So it's very important if you haven't met them yet to be prepared to know what to look for, which is why I have the Seeing Your Cycles program. But if you have had one in your background and you never want one again, you need to be forearmed. And mm -hmm. that's very important. Well, and I also think that the chance that the chance that somebody hasn't met one is incredibly low. And and I think the more the I think particularly there are some industries, and Hollywood Hollywood is definitely entertainment industry is definitely an industry that appeals to that particular. Sure, um, power over people. Right. I mean, if if you want to have some fun at some time, everybody just go and look up the the top careers of psychopaths and see what what they're attracted to. It's terrible. But, what they're attracted to is having power over other humans. Mm -hmm. And that is obvious in some professions that that's where you get that power over other humans. It's just by default because either you have the clout or you have the money or you have the opportunity and nobody else has it. So therefore you have the power and then they exercise it in a very unjust, manipulative and exploitive way. And then we see things that we're now seeing in the newspaper far too frequently. 
people who have used that power and misused it and abused that power. And then we have a lot of damaged people who weren't willing to step back. They felt they needed that. And so they mm -hmm. stepped forward. And now when they've had years to think about it, they realize that that was terrible. Mm -hmm. And how did that affect me? So if you had somebody like that, sure. I mean, that's not 18 months of therapy. That's going to a program and figuring it out. You know, maybe a four-month group coaching program where what actually happened to me in this situation? What did I take from it? What have I done since then that maybe I'd like to change because I picked up some poor mental habits or poor ways of thinking about myself or other people by that experience of being with that hijackal. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I don't want that coloring the rest of my life. So I want to expunge it and make sure that I don't carry it forward. Well, I think for a lot of people, it's just choosing not, it's just thinking, you know what? I don't want to be a victim. That's just not, I just not going to do that anymore. At some point, everybody draws a line and says, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to be a victim. And whatever yeah. it takes to not be a victim, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I don't use the word victim very freely. Mm -hmm. I call it being prey. Mm -hmm. If you don't know you're being prey, you are unwitting prey. Right. So you want to be that person who is the armadillo that they can't prey on you. You know when to put up your Teflon and mm -hmm. let things slide off you and that nobody can get to you. And mm -hmm. you need to know how to put the Teflon on. You need to know when to use the Velcro and how to know the difference. Mm -hmm. And that gives you facility in life. That allows you to be able to be in charge of your life. And that's how you want to feel every day, I hope. Mm -hmm. No, I definitely agree. And I think, so, I don't know. I, I think, I'm always telling people to go get therapy. But I specifically think that... I've known several people who have left the industry specifically because they felt so abused and they just mm -hmm. felt like I just could never face it again. So I'm not going to be a, I, I was a screenwriter. I'm not going to be a screenwriter. I was a DP. I'm not going to be a DP. I was a producer, but my experience was so toxic. I'll never do it again. I was an actress. I'm going to give up acting because I'm never going to do it again because they don't want to put themselves in that position again. And it seems like a terrible price to pay because somebody behaved because you got involved with the wrong people. So what I should do now is I should ask if anybody has any questions they want, uh, they'd like to get answered, they could send an email to nancy.fulton at yahoo.com and I'll go ahead and check uh, for those questions right now. And then um, uh, if you, you can try to use the chat system as well, but I sometimes find that uh, some people don't like to share personal questions <laughs> with a group. So, because it has your name attached to it, you know. So, uh, if you have any questions, please send an email to nancy.fulton at yahoo.com and I'll go ahead and I'll do a quick check to see what's there now. And then, um, let's see. Cool. Actually, this is one question, which is interesting. It's kind of a formal question, but they ask what kind, what form of therapy do you provide? Do you do cognitive behavioral therapy or is it DBT or what kinds of treatment protocols do you use? Well, first of all, let me say that I don't even consider what I do therapy anymore. Mm -hmm. It's therapeutic, but it's not therapy. Mm -hmm. So I use whatever is required in this situation, but I consider mm -hmm. myself now a relationship consultant. And the reason for that is I'm going to tell you 
what you need to think about and what you need to do. I'm mm -hmm. not going to say, and what do you think about that? So mm -hmm. I stopped mm -hmm. practicing as a psychologist. Mm -hmm. I don't call myself a counselor. I don't call mm -hmm. myself a therapist. I call myself a relationship consultant so we can get in and get the job done and not mince words and pussyfoot around the issues. And sometimes that's what causes those long-term therapies because mm -hmm. it's just like herding cats all the time. Sometimes you just need to have someone say to you directly, how's that working for you? Mm -hmm. You know, the, this, the, what do you think the commonalities are here? What do you think is causing that? Let's, mm -hmm. let's get specific and get on with it. And mm -hmm. so um, to, in answer to that question, sometimes it's cognitive therapy, sometimes it's somatics. I happen to be as as Shivananda yoga instructor. Sometimes I'm going to use breathing techniques. Sometimes I'm going to have you lie down and do some things. Sometimes I'm going to help you be better at communicating with your partner so that you can practice to be better at communicating out in the world. Whatever it takes to get you from hijack or bait to absolute health, and I'm going to use it. That's very interesting. Uh, it's an interesting distinction between counselor or a counselor and uh, and um, consultant therapist. Do you have a um, do you, you do work with people? I think you mentioned that you do work with people face to face if they schedule an appointment with you. It's just that you also um, work routinely with people here in Los Angeles and elsewhere who don't feel like making the drive to um, San Diego. I do all my work this way, right on Zoom. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, except for the the days the special days when people book to to spend a day with me mm -hmm. and we do that in a in a hotel situation mm -hmm. um, and if I, I'm here in San Diego so mm -hmm. people come to San Diego if they invite me to go to Los Angeles or San Francisco which is as far as I will travel for that event mm -hmm. um, then there's an extra cost but I will do it and we will work very one-on-one -on -one bang, 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 and, and get the most work we can done in the shortest period of time. And, and you also, also on the phone or on, on Zoom. And you'll also do, um, if you're working with an organization, you, then you, and they want to have you come in and speak for four hours or something like that, or, sure. or coach yes. for a, number, a period of time, you'll do that as well. Yes. And they just reach out to you via email mm -hmm. in order to get that kind of professional help. Sure. Cool. Yes. That's very interesting. So, Let's see. If it, people have questions going forward, uh, do you want to share your, should they just go to your website and use the contact form there, or do you want to share your email address again? I'll share my email address. It's rs mm -hmm. at forrelationshiphelp.com. Be sure to put in the subject line, Nancy Fulton's show, I have a question. All right, cool. That'll make it, that's actually a good idea. So I want to thank you very much for taking the time to meet with us today. It's, uh, I think it's an incredibly important field of work and I also think that it's something that really does remake lives I think people do it's not an accident when you keep meeting abusive people and, and forming close relationships with them with them over and over and over again and I do think it's possible to go to therapists that don't specialize in treating that it's so yeah. possible you know I have clients Nancy mm -hmm. particularly couple and individual clients who tell me that they've been to between three and six therapists mm -hmm. and each time they went the hijackle won. the hijackle won over the professional to their side and so they went full of hope that things were going to change and what happened was the professional and the hijackle joined together to rewound the client 
when somebody doesn't have this as a specialty, when they haven't had it as part of their life experience, they don't see it so readily and they don't see it as often. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm looking around and saying everybody is a hijackal. It's certainly not that. But I do have very good radar for figuring out what's actually going on and if there is hijackal behavior present. Well, I think it's, it's very, it's important to understand the capacity for people for certain kinds of people to be able to change the subject over and over and over again so the problem is never the problem the problem is never their behavior the problem is they never they never have to change and they're never going to they're not going to change just a little bit they're not going to change you know just for a little while they're not going to try something just not and it turns into this abusive situation where the only answer is their answer Yes. And they practice distraction, deflection, and deferment. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're so right. It it will be like, I'm going to be on top of this pile no matter what. And I'll keep, I'll keep trying to get on top and I will be persistent. And there has to be a time when it's no, no, you know, there, that's not what's going to happen here. Right. You are, you're the part that's going to change this time (laughs) as opposed to everybody else changing to accommodate you. This time it will be you that makes a change. That's right. Yes. And mm-hmm. that, that's where the strength comes from. And that's why I don't practice as a psychologist anymore. I don't want to have any parameters on what I can and I can't say. I want to be able to be direct and gently direct and kindly direct, but honestly direct and say, okay, I think, I think this is the next best thing, the next best step, the next best thing to look at. And mm-hmm. when someone tries to take over the appointment, mm-mm, not mm-hmm. going to happen because that's why you came to me. Right. So, so which is, again, the kind of thing that hijackals are not, they're not even going to do that for an hour. But a lot of times they'll just like, nope, can't do that for even an hour. So um, I, I don't know if you can respond to the question that somebody posted as, our, as we sort of tie up our call, but it says, can you name a few instances for actors, DPs, directors, producers getting hijacked by hijackles? Um, I, um, I think one can name, I'm pretty sure the girl, the, uh, Tippi Hedren, when she was having birds thrown at her by um, Alfred Hitchcock, that might be a pretty good example. And the fact that after she rejected his sexual advances, and complained about having live birds thrown at her for, you know, many, many hours, despite the fact they were harming her. Um, and her career was blackballed by Alfred Hitchcock. I think that might represent somebody who was slightly on the hijackalish side. You think? <laughs> I mean, that, that's hijackal, sadistic. That's all kinds of horrible things. Well, there's a sadistic edge to not every hijackal is sadistic. Some of them are pretty much, you know, just, they just want what they want. If they don't want to hurt people, they don't enjoy hurting people. They don't get a sexual thrill, but there are a number, there, there's a percentage of hijackals. I, there's a project, there's certainly a collection or a selection of um, people who have certain personality disorders that lend themselves to being actually sadistic. So it's that you end up crying is not an accident. That oh, absolutely it. not. Those are all situations of demonstrations of power over you. 
whichever mm -hmm. way they come at it, they want to have power over you. And it's not just a case of, of sexual, it's mm -hmm. that they want to have emotional power over you, mental power over you, spiritual power over you, physical power over you. They just want to win. The number one hallmark of hijackals is they must win, whether that's discussing whether you want Thai or Chinese food tonight, or whether or not you are going to determine your entire life's journey. They want to win. And they must win, and they will win until you say no more. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been an honor speaking with you, and I look forward to, um, with your permission, I'll go ahead and edit this up, let you um, take a look at it. And um, if you give me the okay, I'll make it available to the people that I um, support through my groups and um, in my Facebook groups and so forth. And um, I'll try to introduce you and your work to as many people um, as I can in the industry, because I do think that Hollywood, we have a huge Me Too movement and I support it, but there's a lot of recognition, Me Too, but there's not what comes after that. Like, oh, I agree with that? you. I agree with you. We have to do the work beyond that. Mm -hmm. And we have to recognize that it doesn't just stop with recognition. Right. Right. Uh, to say that, but you are important. You mm -hmm. are absolutely important. Your life is important. Do mm -hmm. the work. Do not just say, oh, yeah, I belong in that group, too. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm one of those. No, mm -hmm. you know, step up and step out and speak up and get that strength. Understand deeply what happened to you, why any of this was acceptable to you. Replace the things that are not working in your life with things that empower you and make you strong. And then you will go forth from now on feeling as though you can take care of you and you do know your boundaries and you will make them non-negotiable and that you're safe with you. That's mm -hmm. the number one thing, Nancy. I think it's, uh, and I think there's just, there's some people say, well, it's gone on so long, it's too late or, you know, no, it's so those are all just ways of saying that, that you're not worth it. You're worth, you have the, you should get help in order to live your life. You can say, well, eight, you know, nine months or 18 months or two years or whatever seems too long, but what's the alternative? Because you're going to live those same two years anyway. That's right. And I have people in my practice who have been married to somebody for one of the women, I think about 34 years before she woke up and smelled the herbal tea. And she said, oh my goodness, I didn't know this was a thing. And when she started to realize that she was not alone, and that it was a thing, mm -hmm. she was able to turn it around. And for people who want something right away, right this minute, go to Facebook and go to my closed mm -hmm. group. It's called Optimize Life. Mm -hmm. Join in there. There's 500 people there that will say, yes, you're welcome. Let's talk. Let's talk about issues. Let's talk about our stories. Let's make sure that this doesn't happen again. So mm -hmm. that group is called Optimize Life. Just search for it on Facebook. It's Facebook dot com slash group slash hijackals mm -hmm. i think it's a great idea i think starting on for a lot of people that are unfamiliar with the processes involved i think joining a group may be if you've never had therapy and you're afraid of getting therapy it may be one of the most comfortable ways for sure, you, to, you can hide out there you can lurk yeah you know? <laughs> and you watching somebody well and it's it's fun it sounds funny I, I can't tell you i should let you go but i've i've met so many people over the last few I come from California and we do therapy here, but I, I know people from the East Coast. And it's like when you, you, when you look at them and you go, you think you need to see a therapist and here's some, I mean, I just think you'd be happier. And it's like, it is honestly like saying they're the worst people ever. 
you know, like you're saying that I'm broken. I'm saying, no, I'm saying you're not happy. You never, and that, that, that you might be happier. So if you, if you're afraid of therapy, I think it's any way that you can start interfacing with other people. Yes. You'll not only be happier, but you'll be more powerful within yourself. You can count on you. You Mm -hmm. can be safe with you. You can respect yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't respect yourself when someone walks over you. You don't want to be that trampled person. You want to know what to say and why to say it and how to say it so that that doesn't happen. It's just a way of keeping yourself safe and being able to give your best self to what's going on, not spending time in resentment and feeling like you're not empowered. Exactly. And I think there's, it's, nothing is more important to the creative process. It's just you have to be yes. able to think clearly, you know, yes, and be, you be able to stand up for you, yourself and your work. Well, I really... Um, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed today's conversation. I think it's very important, and I look forward to sharing it with others. Thanks so much, Nancy. It's been a pleasure to be with you. I hope you have an excellent afternoon. Thank you. You too. Goodbye, everyone.